And this is KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. And today is indeed a special day because I've been waiting for this interview for quite a while. I've got with me in the studio the one and only director, producer, cinematographer, Aaron Palmquist is with us. Marhaba, Aaron. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me, Ramsey. And uh, it's finally time to talk about this movie that you finally released and we're finally enjoying and that's getting a lot of critical acclaim all over. And that is From Baghdad to the Bay. And From Baghdad to the Bay is a documentary that follows the journey of an Iraqi refugee and former translator for the U.S. military, wrongfully accused of being a double agent and ostracized from his family and country, Ghazwan Sharif struggles to rebuild his life in the United States while coming out as an openly gay man. Well, first of all, thank you for your patience. Yes, it took us 10 years to get to this day (laughs) and thrilled to be here. Um, I was the director, the producer, and the cinematographer for From Baghdad to the Bay. Um, Hired um, a couple of wonderful editors to work with me. Had an incredible crew of other people who volunteered over the years to work on the project. It really truly does take a village to make a documentary. So there are many names that could be thanked and mentioned here. So, Erin, can you tell me about your journey with the film uh, From Baghdad to the Bay? When did it begin and when did you first meet Ghazwan? So I first met Ghazwan in 2008. He had arrived in the San Francisco Bay Area from Iraq. He'd come as a refugee. I was working with a group of women filmmakers. We were interested in making a documentary together. And um, we became aware of a new population of people that was forming, a new community that was forming here in the Bay Area of Iraqis. There was a large population in the San Diego area from the first Gulf War, but there were not uh, many that had been resettled here in the Bay Area until... Um, the Iraq War. So we were interested in following three to four Iraqi refugees in their resettlement process to kind of figure out what that might be like. It was 2008, so it was the lowest point in our recession. Uh, It was also post 9-11, so anti-Arab sentiment was at an all-time high with hate crimes happening regularly. And um, we thought it would be important to bring light to uh, a new community of neighbors that we had in the backyard. So uh, we were working with the International Rescue Committee to uh, find people who would be willing to speak with us. And we spoke to many incredible people. And the unfortunate thing is that many people felt too exposed and didn't feel comfortable uh, being in a documentary. They were very open to speaking to us uh, in person, but going the step further and kind of identifying themselves to the world, they felt might put their family at too much risk. When the International Rescue Committee put me in touch with Kazwan, I was ready to move on. We felt like we didn't have a documentary. Mm-hmm. We felt maybe there'd be this wonderful article, possibly a podcast, but making a documentary with people not being comfortable exposing their identities would be a real challenge. I was speaking with Gazan on the phone, and I was I was ready to ask him, you know, can we come back to you? We had just submitted a grant proposal, and if we get that grant and we can move forward with this project, um, would you be willing to be on camera? And he proceeded to say, heck yeah, and I've got a story to tell. And if you know Gazan, when you hear him say those words, <laughs> it's very intriguing. And so I asked him, well, well, what's that story? And what proceeded was actually for me personally, one of the most horrific stories that I'd heard from an individual myself directly, many stories on the news of the Iraq war and things that had transpired, but I hadn't known somebody who'd experienced the the past that Ghazwan had, had experienced. So we couldn't let it go. We had to follow him. In the film, Aaron, we did notice nevertheless that there were some faces that were blurred 
there were some characters that I believe you ended up editing editing them out. Correct. Actually, this was something that was very important to me and also very difficult. Um, there were several people over the course of the film that we weren't sure whether would they would continue to be a part of the film um, that were very supportive of what Kazwan was doing, but also afraid for their own personal situations. So uh, when we're talking about these refugees, and many of them are asylees and they've escaped, you know, horrific circumstances to come to the U.S., uh, the, the, the reason they want to uh, blur their identity or they don't want to speak publicly about what they've been through is due to what, Aaron? Like, what are they afraid of exactly? So I think uh, in this film, there are two parts to this, two answers to this question. And one is that uh, many of these people, these refugees that are coming from from Iraq, uh, like Ghazwan, actually assisted the United States government and the military over there. And so this could have brought uh, quite a bit of shame to their families, whether their families supported what the um, the military was attempting to do. And ultimately what happened um, is very complicated. Uh, but that shame in, in helping what could have been seen as the enemy at the time can be really debilitating to families in Iraq. So there's one part there, and then there's a second part in that Ghazwan is actually gay, and so in Iraq um, it's also, again, another complex situation. There are um, plenty of people in Iraq that are living comfortably and openly as gay people, but not across the entire country, as you can imagine. And um, so for many people, uh, especially in Ghazwan's uh, situation, being gay, working for the U.S. military, those are two major blows. And as Ghazwan describes it, being gay is actually more detrimental to his family. It's something that Americans might not quite understand, uh, and many cultures might not quite understand who are fortunate to live in areas where we are more accepting. Um, but um, the shame, the level of shame that could be brought to your family um, can not only be debilitating, but also dangerous. Right. Let's begin with the identity aspect, you know, of him being an Iraqi, you know. How did he get to America? Uh, when you met him in 2008, he, ha- he was still new to the country? Correct. Um, so how he got here is actually more impactful if you know the end of the story, but we can't give it all oh, yeah, away. Well, I'm not saying a word. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was a complicated process to get here, as it is for many. And, well, you have heard that he worked as a translator for the U.S. military. Unfortunately, he was not able to be resettled under a special immigrant uh, visa process for the many people who helped us and assisted us over there. He had assistance from uh, several of his colonels, um, and he had a cousin who lived in the San Francisco Bay Area, but ultimately he didn't make it through the window for those special immigrant visas. They can be really difficult to get through. Fortunately, he was able to be resettled by the International Office of Migration. And then once he arrived here, he had assistance from the International Rescue Committee, who is who put us in touch with him. So, Aaron, uh, you you started uh, filming in uh, 2008? We did. Wow. And the movie was released in 2018? Correct. So it was a decade-long uh, effort. And, and as these layers were unfolding, Aaron, was, did, did, did things keep popping up that you kind of, that surprised you? Were there more layers every time you thought you were getting to the story, yet another layer unfolded? Because that's the way it felt to me as a viewer as, as, as when I watched the film. Yeah, initially, actually, when we first met Gazwan and within the first couple years, uh, we were going to tell his backstory and we were going to tell him kind of rebuilding his life here, but we weren't going to talk about his sexuality in the film. Mm. So that was one of the biggest turning points. And uh, Was that his decision or yours, uh, Aaron? Uh, well, 
part of the reason this film took so long was because of this turning point. Uh, there was a point at which um, Gazwan became uh, more vocally active because he was enraged by a series of killings that happened in Iraq. When these events started to happen, Gazwan would have moments in front of the camera where he would be maybe sitting with a friend and he would start to voice his, his frustration and his anger about what was happening. And uh, me being kind of a naive young filmmaker and feeling like I really needed to protect him because he had said he did not want to include this in the film, I would shut the camera off Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we would have lots of conversations about it until finally I decided and we both decided together that we would continue to capture and, and roll some of this stuff and then decide at a later date whether we wanted to include it in the film. And we had many conversations with Kazwan and with his family and friends here um, about whether this was the right path to take. And part of the reason that the film took 10 years to make was really, frankly, because we couldn't get funding for it. But Mm -hmm. in that, there was a real blessing in disguise because had we gotten funding, we might have wrapped up sooner. We might have finished this project, but it really needed to sit. And so there were even several years where we stopped filming altogether to allow Gazwan time to heal as he was coming out and process things and um, become more comfortable with himself and have that strength to be able to tell this story. And so part of that was inadvertent, but part of that was also very, you know, um, um, strategically necessary. planned yeah. and necessary yeah. in, in in our concerns about protecting him. And even at some point, um, we questioned whether we had uh, the ethical responsibility to say no to him, hmm. which we ultimately decided, of course, we do not. This is his story. <laughs> we we yeah. cannot deny that, but we just needed to be careful about how we proceeded and make sure that he was really aware of what coming out in a documentary like this might mean for him and that we explored all of that. So we're talking about, you know, Razwan's courage and uh, Razwan's uh, journey towards, you know, acceptance and, 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 and publicly speaking about it. But what are some of the sacrifices, Aaron, that maybe behind the scenes, you know, what were some of the more costly aspects to him uh, that he may have encountered? Some of those aspects will come out in the film. They'll be obvious to the viewers. Um, but the things that don't, that kind of go unseen, I think, in this work are the, you know, the day-to-day struggles that you deal with. Gazwan, well, uh, making this film was very cathartic for him. We learned that early on, and still, still, it continues to be cathartic. It's also still very difficult. So having me chase him around with a camera and some of his most raw moments is really, really challenging. And for somebody to do that, even somebody as outgoing and gregarious as Gazwan, that takes a a toil. Um, uh, And so I think it's important, and I think we don't talk about it often enough, but the sacrifices that people make in kind of persevering and sticking with that and allowing themselves to be vulnerable on camera is uh, really intense. And it's not something that I don't think I would be willing to do. And so I'm really, really grateful for people like Gazwan who are willing to do that. And so it ended up being sort of um, an empowering moment, I think, when you guys decided to include uh, the aspects of his private life and sexuality in the film. And I can tell you as somebody who, you know, is interested in uh, marginalized sexualities from the Arab world, that the movie has been um, very empowering to many people who have been silenced both in and out of the Arab world and who feel that through Razwan's stories they're being vindicated, that their story is being told. How much of that are you aware of, Aaron, in terms of the movie screening now at so many festivals and receiving such amazing reviews and knowing in your heart that this 10-year journey to make the film has actually ended up becoming such a staple in terms of LGBTQ rights. 
The one thing I can share is that we have reached a lot of people who are outside the community and people who might possibly be anti um Arab might possibly be homophobic, and I've seen transformation in people already. So I do feel that the the power of this film is pretty phenomenal and and limitless. And one of the things you do, Erin, that I really respect and admire is you try often after the screening to have a QA and a session, to have people talk about it before they leave the theater. And just the... The kind of process that happens post-movie, you know, with a lot of people saying, well, before I saw the movie, I thought this, but this movie made me rethink my position on marginalized sexualities, on Islam, on religion, on representations of the other. Um, how important has it been for you in terms of publicizing the movie is to have these Q&A sessions? So fortunately, festivals make them a priority, which is really wonderful. And unfortunately for me, I feel like they're never long enough. Mm-hmm. So I do look forward to continuing that process beyond the festival circuit when we start to do community screenings. Um, We're actually um, in conversation with a number of large organizations, and one of the ideas is to try to bring the veteran community together with the immigrant communities to view the film and have conversations around the film. So I think the best is really yet to come. What are some of the other uh, awards that I heard about lately? Actually, there's one I think you haven't even oh, heard about well, yet. Oh, well, tell me about the ones I heard about, and <laughs> um, then let's go to the new one. So we were lucky um, to go on to screen at a wonderful festival in Miami called Outshine, which is an LGBT film festival. And we won the Programmers Award for Excellence there. That was wow. our second film festival. And just recently, on Friday night, we screened, screened at the GI Film Festival, which is a film festival focusing on military films. Wow. And... Uh, we won uh, Best First-Time Filmmaker oh, Award there. I think that's Aaron Falk was <laughs> right here. And so can you tell us a little bit about what's coming up? Where can people see From Baghdad to the Bay? Yeah. And uh, when? We have five screenings wow. at three festivals in October. We're starting at uh, the Mill Valley Film Festival. We'll screen in Mill Valley and also in San Rafael. And then we're thrilled um, to announce that we will be screening with the Arab Film Festival. And for information uh, you've got a great website from baghdad to the bay.com there we can read about the filmmakers about the journey and about the screenings but the soonest one is going to be october 13th and people can buy tickets through the mill valley film festival which is going to be in san rafael on the 13th followed by the 14th in mill valley and then on october 17th is the uh, arab film festival how are you feeling about actually presenting it to a predominant Dominantly Arab or Arab-American audience. Well, less intimidated than I was by presenting it to a military audience, I have to say. <laughs> You're an all-pro by now. That's but, a good answer. You know, it's an incredible lineup, right, that we were just at a military film festival. We're about to be at an Arab film festival. As you said, I mean, the, the San Francisco or the Arab film festival that's in San Francisco takes place in L.A. and I think San Diego as well. Right, right, after they, San Francisco, sure. Yeah, I mean, um, they really have pioneered the space for LGBT films within the Arab festival circuit and I you know they deserve incredible credit for that but then you also have quite a few others coming up with the United Nations Association Film Festival in Palo Alto that I think is on the 21st and on and on and then uh, how 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 long do you 
project sort of screening at festivals and when if ever will there be sort of a dvd release or a, or will the movie be, be released to general audiences usually you've screened at the festivals first before you can do your community screenings and your educational distribution so those are be off our focus next we have you know we do have another 20 or so festivals that i think wow. we'll be submitting to and have submitted to we're, we're waiting to hear back from you get into fewer than you actually submit to across the board um so that festival circuit may continue through next year but we'll definitely be kicking off some community screenings soon that takes a fair amount of effort so in the background um we'll be putting a campaign together around that and then we'll be seeking educational distribution and after that goes through eventually we'll be um seeking um VOD which is video on demand or streaming nice so are you are you in the moment or are you looking towards your next project is it too early to think beyond from Baghdad to the bay well i certainly have ideas but getting a film out there in the world has been a bit more challenging than i anticipated and so right now until until from Baghdad to the bay has legs of its own and can be out there having an impact on the world that's really where most of my focus is going and let's say that uh, if you want more information about Aaron Palmquist my amazing guest today you can go to www.aaronpalmquist.com com and Palmquist with with a Q U I S T uh but can you tell us a little bit about your background in terms of what you did before you uh, launched from Baghdad to the Bay Sure so I actually went to San Francisco State and got a degree in cinema I did it a little bit late in life because I didn't know what I wanted to do and thankfully my father insisted that it was really important that I get a degree and I thought well I can sit through cinema classes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um from there I was fortunate enough to go on and work at Lucasfilm uh for uh, about two years on a project that was happening out there. Uh and then I also uh worked with Bonnie Cohen at Actual Films on a National Geographic Explorer documentary and then went on to work for independent filmmakers and myself um as well after that. And PBS too, right? Mm, I, yeah, I did a couple of things for PBS. <laughs> so when you say you were green at the start of the <laughs> off from Baghdad to the Bay, I mean I think you'd already been kind of exposed to the world of of cinema of cinema before that. Yes, but nothing like the world that Gazwan was going to take me <laughs> through for the next 10 years. <laughs> but certainly you have uh, such amazing trailers for the film. I mean, and you've and, and you've shared with us some snippets and just the cinematography and the way you've even incorporated animation and other, you know, aspects. I mean, how how much of that uh, are you satisfied with when you look at it and how much of it do you say, "Oh, I could have changed this or that?" Oh, well, I think you feel like you're never finished and there are always things that you would have liked to have changed and and I've alluded to like our limitation of resources and finances on this project. So, we probably could have put another month into it and I would have been really really happy, but <laughs> given what we have i think it's superb i really do feel yeah. very proud of what we did um and as i said it wasn't just me there were many people involved and and uh, there were some real miracles that came through for example i had worked with our animator joe brody in the past um he had done some corporate logos for me and um very different kinds of work and so i just knew that i enjoyed working with him and i thought i'd reach out to him to see if he was available and little did i know he was also this incredible painter and illustrator so he not only helped us with 
with the motion graphics part of it, but he also did these beautiful, beautiful drawings of Gazwan, and and people really comment about this a lot yeah, at the yeah. festival. And they worked so well in the film, Aaron, because you know sometimes you, you maybe you had difficulty accessing footage from that era or from the news, and sort of that graphic uh, representation or that animation, whatever we want to call it, certainly served its purpose very well in terms of being woven into the narrative and into the documentary and gave it this visually sort of stunning and memorable scenes. I really uh, resisted the idea of doing reenactments, which would have been our only alternative to tell what it the story that had happened to Ghazwan while he was in Iraq. Some of that we could tell with generic footage of the war, but most of it was a real personal experience. And so there was no way to do that and do it in a way that really um, honored the the trauma that he'd experienced without trying to find kind of a creative, more abstract way of looking at it. Aaron Palmquist, you keep telling me how lucky and blessed uh, you feel uh, that uh, Razwad came into your life and gave you this story. But I will add that Razwad is also blessed to have you in his life because you dealt with his story and his complications and his uh, turbulent uh, journey with such sensitivity and with such humanity. And it shows in the film. And this is one of those rare times where I'm interviewing somebody and I'm so biased in terms of having seen the film certainly worth your time ladies and gentlemen from Baghdad to the Bay is going to be screening all around the Bay Area and beyond uh, my guest has been Aaron Palmquist who is the director producer and cinematographer for the film what do you want to tell our listeners are Jared KCSU Stanford about why they should go watch the movie I guess what I would say is that If you read the synopsis, you'll see that we're dealing with um, a pretty intense story. Ghazwan went through quite a bit. He worked um, for the U.S. military in Iraq during the Iraq War. He was um, tortured. He did have to flee his country. Many additional things happened to him that are really horrendous and hard for most people to imagine, things that happened to many people in that country. And we've seen lots of documentaries on this topic, and sometimes they can be very heavy, which is really important for people to really grasp what's going on in other parts of the world and the level of trauma that's being experienced by people. But at the same time, Gazwan brings this incredible humor and levity to this film as well, and he has such an amazing spirit and drive and perseverance and tenacity, and he's so entertaining. And so I would say, you know, come for the ride because it's quite a ride. It's a roller coaster. It's ups, it's down. Uh, things, things that you won't expect happen happened. Um, and it will change your life, I yeah. think. And I think especially in these times of ours and with uh, the uh, state of uh, of affairs right now in the U.S., I think movies like yours are not only necessary, they are life-saving. And uh, and I thank you for, for the movie. Aaron Palmquist has been my guest right here on Aerobology, coming to you from KZSU Stanford, 90.1 FM. We'll see you at the screenings, Aaron, for sure. And we hope to interview Razwan as well. Let's give him a big salam from us right here at the Arabaldi Show. And how's your Arabic, Aaron, these days? Oh, horrendous. <laughs> but you, we can say shukran to you. Shukran. <laughs> there you go. And assalamu alaikum. Thank you for joining me here at the Arabaldi Show. And speaking of uh, Iraq and Iraqi music, let's listen to uh, an amazing group coming in from Iraq to stay in the mood here as we say goodbye to Aaron Ponquist. Shukran, Aaron, for coming. And uh, please stay in touch with us here at the Arabaldi Show. Shukran, Ramzi. Thank you so much for having me. It's been my honor.